Turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10. And there I'm sure you will know what this passage is, very familiar to you. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. And I'm going to go down. I think we'll go down until we stop. How that be? Verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Be careful to follow every command I give you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his command. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we're thankful. As Pastor Betty has expressed already, Father, to you, we were thankful for the opportunity that we had to be able to gather together in this place and to worship you. Father, as we commence the opening of your word, Holy Spirit, I am asking you in the name of Jesus Christ, you have been sent by Christ himself. To teach us your truth, to teach us those things which which Jesus didn't, that those things that he spoke about that would be too much for us to bear. I'm asking that you would look deep within our hearts and search out our minds and our spirits, our lives. And help us to recognize we stand before you. Now, Father, this morning I am mindful of your sovereignty. I'm mindful, Father, that. That as we gather around your throne, Lord, that you are the sovereign king of all that is. That there is none that's like unto you. And Father, we submit ourselves to your authority. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I submit myself to your authority. And I ask, Father, that no word would come from this mouth except to be according to your will. I ask, Father, that you would speak. Father, that we would hear, we would know, we would understand, 
all that you have planned for us. Father, I am asking in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bind away all the distractions and all the influence of the kingdom of darkness, all the things that take our attention away, and Father, all the things that we worry about and consume us, and Father, loosen to this place your Holy Spirit and the power of your presence among us. Father, don't let anyone go from this place except they have the certain knowledge that they have met with you today, that they have done business at your throne today. Father, guide us. Lead us, help us in these things. Father, for the desire, for the ache, for the hunger of our heart is that we would know you. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I commit this time into your hands, this time of searching your word. And Holy Spirit, speak to us with words that can't be uttered. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's think of Remembrance Day. Um, the closest I ever got to the army was being in cadets. You know, that's as close as I ever, ever got. I, uh, I became a, uh, I got a, a marksman's certification from the Canadian Rifle Association. I uh, shoot a 303. I went deer hunting once, and my wife scolded me so much that I hardly passed the rifles. It's poor little Ben, he came home in the trunk of the car, you know. It was, yes, it was quite a thing. But I uh, I read the book, Vinny. Did you ever read that? By Pierre uh, Burton. It was written about uh, the, the Battle of Vinny Ridge. And as we approach this day of remembrance of uh, what was, I, I can't help but think of that. And, and the Battle of Vinny Ridge was important to Canada. Did you know that? That was the most important battle of all the wars we ever fought. They say that's when Canada actually became a nation. And in that time, uh, Arthur Curry was the general who was commanding the Canadian troops. And there were a couple of other countries who had thrown themselves uh, into the Battle of Indian Ridge prior to this, and all were beat back. And so Arthur Curry, um, as he was approaching this, the, the, the generals all got together, the high command got together, and they said, you know what, we, we need to send a disposable army up there to see where all the mistakes are going to be made. True story. That's how the Look, did he begin? This is not good. You know, the thing that Canadian soldiers were over there as fodder so that other more experienced armies could go in and capitalize on the mistakes and where the artillery lands and all of that as they ground the Canadians in Nepal. But them crazy Canadians did not accept that. And Arthur Curry, he said, uh, he said, okay, what we're going to do then is, uh, is I'm not going to sacrifice the Canadians. I'm a Canadian. He was a real estate agent from Vancouver, B.C. Before the war, he became famous as the general who commanded the Battle of Indian Ridge. And then after the war, he just disappeared again into obscurity. That was why he was born, they say. Was that moment in history. And so he developed this strategy called the Creeping Barrage. And the Creeping Barrage, he took all the Canadians back behind the lines and they practiced week in and week out. And they would get up out of the trenches where the trenches were marked, and they would take 
uh, X number of steps forward, as, and then they would stop, a whistle would blow, and they would stop, another whistle would blow twice, and they would go the same distance, and then they would stop, and they would wait as the barrage went forward. And, uh, and, and as the Canadian infantry was practicing all of this, the artillery, uh, the artillery was practicing this business of a creeping barrage, of, of how to get all the guns along the front, firing at the same time, this wall of steel. And, uh, and they said, if, if the Canadians walk, were to walk just a little bit out of sync with everyone else, they would walk into this wall of steel. Some actually did during the battle, and it just disappeared. There was that much, that, that much uh, steel of, in that wall, that many bombs, that many explosions, that people would just, they'd just be gone. They'd be there all of a sudden, they'd walk into this fog of mud and gore, and they would, they would be gone. They just, they'd never be seen again. They're just in a million pieces. Creepy brothers. So the, the, the day came for the Battle of Baby Ridge, and, and the, the, uh, the Canadians were in the trenches, and they were all poised there with their weapons, and they mounted, they fixed their bayonets, you know, the, the, the command went up and down the line, fixed bayonets, and, and they, they knew that when they fixed bayonets, the, you know, the hair would stand up at the back of their heads. The book Vinny by Pierre Burton is written from all the letters of the soldiers who fought there. And as they were getting ready, you know, they were, some were writing home to people in Saskatchewan, some in Prince Edward Island, some in Nova Scotia, some from here and there, and all over. And they were saying, you know, when they say fixed bayonets, I remember reading this one letter, said, they said, my hair would always stand up the back of my neck, you know, and I, I would get goosebumps all over, fear and terror, because I knew that somewhere along the line I'm going to use this bayonet. I'm going to look at the soldier of, of the German lines right in the eye as I, as I run this through him. And the, and the horrors of war demonstrated through the frontline soldiers. And so the command went up and down the line. Fixed in. The whistle blew. Over the top, they yelled. And these soldiers jumped up and they, they went over the top. And, and they could see about 100 yards out, this barrage just... Just decimating no man's land, where once there was barbed wire and the razor wire and the posts and, and gore and craters. Now it was something like some of the plowed field, there's that much steel and mud coming up into the air. They, they walked their hundred meters. And the barrage moved on. And, and as the barrage moved on, certain soldiers of, of the German lines that were in bunkers waiting for them with machine guns. Machine guns were gone, but the soldiers came out of these. These, uh, these underground uh, bunkers, and they were all disheveled and sh in shock, and then the Canadians couldn't take prisoners. They shot whoever showed up, and they continued on all the way up, and they won the battle. It was a turning point in Canada's history that most of us no longer remember. It's when Canada became a nation. Here in the book of Deuteronomy, the writer of Deuteronomy says to us, he says in verse 2, he says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these four years. There are certain things that we remember today on Remembrance Day. I remember we were traveling uh, through the states, and uh, well, we stopped in Vermont, I think it was, at a mall, of course. We needed a break, and we wanted to go shopping in the states. You know what it's like, ladies? Men, you know what it's like, too. You sit in the car, right? And, 
But there was a cemetery, a Civil War cemetery, in the middle of the parking lot. Now, what a random place to put a cemetery. So I thought, well, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go walk through the cemetery. Because I, why not? I wouldn't do it. Park right beside it. Ruth went into the mall, and, and she took all the kids with her. Praise the Lord for that. And they were just little, you know, and diapers and all that kind of stuff. And, and I just had a couple minutes, so I, I wanted to do the cemetery. And there was, now, I remember there was, a, there was a headstone there that said, uh, Private so-and-so, and there was another one, Private so-and-so, and then there was a sergeant, and there was a colonel, and there, there was a lieutenant, and, and all these all these graves of the Civil War, and I thought, who were these people? What, what did they do? And I looked at their ages, and some of them were like 16 years old, and I thought, well, up to 16, what can you do? Like, how do you make your mark that you'll be remembered at 16 years old? How do you make your mark that you'll be remembered at 30, or 40, or 50, or 60? At 70, or 80, at 90? You know, how, how long, once you, once you pass away, and, and, uh, and how long before you stop going to the cemetery to, to say, okay, there's, there's so-and-so. You know, I go visit my dad every once in a while in the cemetery. Matter of fact, I bought a farm just across the road from him. Not a farm, it's a little six-by-six six spot, you know, across the road in the cemetery. So. So we'll be able to visit once in a while, and he'll say, what's that good deed here, and all the things that he used to say. But, you know, there's only family now that go to look down on his headstone and say, that was Burke Collins. That was that preacher in the Nantry Church in Oxford for 30-some years. Or they might go by and say, oh, that's for Burke Collins. He married me and my spouse, you know, or, and they would remember. But what will you be remembered? The writer here says to us, he says, remember, remember some of these things. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his command. Remember what was. Do you remember the day you got saved? What was that like? Do, do, do you remember how <clears throat> how uh, how at the altar? I, I, I remember some of you folks in the church the day you got saved. I was there. I I, I thought of that, and I, I I remember that. I remember the one particular revival service we had, and, and we had spent a lot of time in prayer, you know, for, for weeks ahead, and and, uh, and I remember on the altar there was there was these candles. That were burning, and, and I remember that the altars were full, two and three deep. Remember that? But the thing that, that's remarkable to me, I remember, I remember these candles that were lit on the altar, and, they, and the flames go this, and stand up, and this, and no windows were open. And I remember looking at it, and thinking, what on earth is going wrong with the candles? Now the only thing I think of now is the Holy Spirit moving back and forth, and the dead read on that. You know, and I and I think to myself. Man, those were, those were, those were good times. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years. You know, it struck me this morning, driving over, um, sometimes Ruth and I have a conversation, I'm thinking about something absolutely different than the conversation. Probably no one else ever does that in your, in your relationship, so that is kind of the way I'm apologizing now, Ruth, you me. All these things are gone now. But 
was thinking to myself, I started ministry in 1984. I am uh, I'm two years away from 40 years. And so I was thinking back all these 40 years of, of the journey to this point in time and, and how the Lord has led to humble, to test, to know what's in my heart, whether or not I would keep his commands. And then it goes on here in verse 3, and he says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Did you ever hear that verse before? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Where, anybody, where was that? What is it? The temptation in Matthew chapter 4, probably, wasn't it? And in Mark as well, yeah. Well, if we were to turn over to Matthew chapter 6, we would find an interesting uh, thing here. And it's on prayer. And, I, and this is kind of where I want us to, to really turn our attention. I, I, I want us, first of all, to remember the early days of, of, of where you were and how you got to where you are. <clears throat> there was a time when you were without Christ. There was a time when you were wandering through the darkness and you were doing whatever. And there was a time when you were even playing hockey for heaven's sakes. Right? All that came along with that. But somewhere or God got a hold of you. Changed your life. We remember what it was where he led us out of. We remember the wilderness. We remember the journey. And he's promised to lead us into a certain place. So one day, Jesus was walking along the seashore and he gathers his disciples. He says, come follow me and I will make you something you can't be Bob, on your own. Right? He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, as I was reading that, I thought, okay, let's take out the fishers of men business and come follow me and I will make you. Make you what? Make you happy? Make you poor? Make you rich? Make you good looking? Make you not good looking? What is he going to make you? Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you something you can't be without me. <coughs> so they followed him for a while and he was leading them into a, into a spiritual land, uh, the land of milk and honey, I'm going to say, saying he's leading us. And along the journey, the disciples said to him one day, they said, well, you know, we see that you're praying, and we see that John the Baptist is teaching his disciples, his students, how to pray. So would you teach us how to pray? And so he begins, and he brings out to us the Lord's Prayer. But before that, look at what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Okay, so, so if God knows what you need in this journey of preparation, this journey of being made into something, as, we're, as we are remembering where we came from, looking to where we're going, and, and perhaps even 
standing on the riverbank and we see on the other side this land of milk and honey, this land of this land of spiritual fulfillment, this land of what comes next. I'm not talking about heaven, I'm talking about here. This land of spiritual giftings, this land of, of deep holy love, this land of heart cleansing, this land of holiness. As we look over into that and we say, well, you know, I would sure like to live in that land right there. But that's kind of, I don't know how to do that. Do you know what I pastored for 20 years before I found that? How? Did you know that? 2005, I began the journey of really experiencing heart holiness. And I pastored, began that age four. It's strange. Really strange. So I know that some of you here, you've been on the journey for a long time, and your heart has been aching for something more, and, and the struggle with sin, and the struggle with repentance, and sin, and repentance, and sin, that can all be dealt with. It can be. So Jesus here is saying, do not be like that, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Now, okay, okay, okay. If God knows what you need before you ask, why bother praying? Right? Marvin, you know what I'm saying? You listening over there? Don't go to sleep on me now. <laughs> All right. Mind if I take off a little bit? Okay. Too late. Are you? So I, I often ask that question. If God knows what we need, what's the point of prayer? Lord, you know that we've got too much money at the end of the month. What's the point of that? You know. Lord, you know I got one crust of bread left and, and, the, and, and I, I don't know how I'm going to buy. You know what the Lord? Inflation. It's happening all around us. What are we going to do? But the Lord knows all about that. What are we doing? So what are we supposed to pray for? Okay, glad you asked the question because Jesus went on and said, He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, which are in heaven. That's the term. Not our Father on earth. Our Father, which are in heaven. Holy is your name. Right? It sets the attitude. Sets the location. It sets the person. And it sets the holiness. It sets the context. Our Father which art in heaven, you are the most holy one. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth in the same way that it is in heaven. Then it says this, give us this day our daily bread. Now, right away, I don't know how many sermons I've heard that, that um, if there's any preachers here who preached on it, forgive me for what I'm going to say next. <laughs> but but uh, I don't know how many sermons I've heard on this that people say, well, God's going to look after our daily needs there. Well, hold on a minute. Jesus already said the Father knows what you have need of before you ask. So, so what's this business of the daily bread stuff? But this comes back to that passage we read. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what he's saying here is give us this day our daily dose of Jesus. Right? Jesus said, I am the bread that descended down heaven. I am that manna. I am the bread of life. He, he gives this over and over and over again. And so he's saying, okay, so when you pray, now because he's talking about himself, he couched in these words, give us this day our daily bread, meaning him. Forgive us our debts, or our sins. In the same way we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Now that's a little terrifying. 
Right? Do you ever pray and then think to yourself, I don't remember what I just said. Oh, yeah, Marvin, you're the only honest one here. <laughs> yes, yeah. I appreciate that, Marvin. Yeah, you know, we go through the, the ritual. Because we're committed to prayer. But I want to suggest to you we need to be committed to God. Amen. Now, I do know this also. You've probably talked to someone, like my wife, who's talked to me. And as she looks into my eyes, she knows I'm thinking about some project, you know. And and uh, or, or you've talked to someone in a, in a in a conversation or an argument, and you can you can tell they're not listening to one word you're saying. They're thinking of what they're going to say next to back up their argument, right? Right? Hey, you know what I'm talking about, right? But 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 that's kind of how we how our society operates. And so I, I, I thought to myself, I thought, well, Lord, how then ought we to pray as a church? And this, this one came up, and we say, okay, Father, Father, you are in heaven. May your kingdom come. But wait, Father, Jesus said, Jesus said, the kingdom of God cannot be seen with observation, but the kingdom of God is within us. So, Father, are you in us? <coughs> Father, let your will be done. Father, let your will be done in my life, the same as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be done in the world around us through my life, because you live in me in that same way. Lord, give me today my daily dose of Jesus. Father, let me put on an obese amount of weight of this type of bread. Lord, that I can have strength and power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ to manifest, Father, all the things that you want. Father, there's this problem of sin as well. Lord, forgive me my sin. And Father, forgive me my sins in the exact same way I forgive other people. That's how we pray. See, there's a conversation happening there. Now, the terrifying thing, Jesus goes on, he says, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. And then he said, finishes, for if you forgive Men, their sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Yikes. What's that mean? You know, did, did Jesus really mean that? Okay, okay, okay. So it's in the Bible then. So do we believe the Bible? Inspired word of God? <coughs> okay, so if we do believe the Bible is inspired word of God, if we do believe that Jesus really meant that, does that mean God's not going to forgive everybody's sin? Pastor Sheila believes it. 
Oh, no, don't answer. That's a rhetorical question. If you have the right answer, you have to ruin my sermon. No worries. <laughs> it's interesting because prayer here is fashioning an environment and a context where we are saying, where we are saying, forgive me in the exact same way I forgive others. And if I don't forgive others, I'm not expecting you, Father, to forgive me. What on earth are we saying here? Remember, the writer Deuteronomy says where you came from. Remember all the things that you were taught. Remember how God, as you went into the wilderness, so there's this journey, and, and in the remembering of the Hebrews, there was, what they were remembering was coming out of Egypt. There was an event when they decided, okay, you know what? I'm tired of being an Egyptian slave. Lord, if you're going to take all these people out and you're going to set them all free and yes, we're going to be into the wilderness for a little while, but Lord, if that's the case, I'm tired of living where I'm living. I'm tired of making the choices I make. I'm tired of doing the things I do. I'm tired of the addictions I got. I'm tired of the behaviors I got. I'm tired of the conversations I have. I'm tired of the hopelessness of life. And as you make the decision, Lord, I'm going to follow you with this band of believers. I remember that decision. That's right. You took me out. That's right. Now I've been on the journey now for quite some time, and in the wilderness, Lord, you fashioned in me a hunger. That's what Deuteronomy says. God built in his people a hunger for something that their parents didn't have. Right. Read again, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Bread and The manna. That came down. And Jesus said, I am that bread of heaven. Give us this day our daily dose of that bread. And then there comes this time when the wilderness event is over. Now they're standing here on the promised land and they're looking out, you know, across the river, and, and there were all of these. Wonderful things they saw that the vineyards, <clears throat> the cattle over here on the hill, and the, the apple orchards, and, and uh, the, 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 the pears, and the cherries, and the wheat, and the riches, and, and there was copper in the hills, and gold in the creeks, and, and, and God was, was right there with them saying, You see all that? that? That's my promise to you. That can be in your life. And I'm not talking about the physical thing, I'm talking about the spiritual thing. I'm talking about, about the, the, the wealth that's found in the mind of God in his word. And I'm talking about the bread of life that feeds a hungry soul that, that God has fashioned this deep hunger within you. And he said, I have the answer to this. I've, I've built this hunger so I can satisfy it. And these people standing all right there on the, on the river, lined up. And the choice was theirs. They didn't have to cross the river. They could have gone back into the wilderness. 
maybe 40 years now. You know, Moses is dead. Joshua, you're the only guy, you're the leader now. And, 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 and you know, as the Lord has said, as I was with Moses, so shall it be with you, Joshua, to be strong and courageous to enter into this new journey. You know what? I remember, remember moving to Oxford at seven years old, 1967. Came from Ontario. Old sound, right? And uh, came to Oxford. as 67, and a half. And we had to go to church twice on Sunday and, and once on Wednesday night. All of us, six and a half years old. Well, I spent my time, we didn't have carpet in the church then, it was those tile floors, and I spent my time scooting along underneath all the pews, picking the gum off, you know. I was six and a half years old. They only tried eating it once. No, I didn't, I'm kidding. But, I do remember this. I, I, this is what I remember about the Wednesday services. There was this guy in the church, Ross Stern was his name. Anybody know Ross? Anybody hear that name? Ross Stern. He was one of the guys who, uh, during the Depression, Got on the grain train and part of the planting of Calvary First Church in Oxford. So Ross Sturman had this white hair, it's all I remember him. White hair, wasn't very big, he was tall, uh, he, was, he was, wasn't that tall, he was a shorter kind of a fellow, not a big build from what I remember. Um, he seemed to be about 10 years older than Moses, he was just, he was, he was old, you know. And, uh, but here's what I remember he was starting to pray. And it didn't matter where I was, scooting along the floor, I'd stop. Mm-hmm. Had to. Because something changed in that church. And I could, I could still hear him praying. And he'd begin to weep. And he'd begin to agonize. And he'd begin to claim this and claim that on behalf of the kingdom. And, and the people that he named, I didn't know that he meant nothing to me. The only thing I remember of all that was the presence of God that sent him in It was unbelievable. And so I think to myself on this remembrance day, what will you be remembered for? You know, in, in your journey, in your life, well, what will you be remembered for? You say, well, you know, I'll be maybe remembered for my heart. I'll be remembered for some of the pranks I played. You know, I'll be remembered for this and that. But you know what? Can we be remembered for being a people of prayer? You know, the journey of the faith is not so that we'll be all blessed and rich and have all of our needs met. That's not what this is about. I, I, I think the friends I have in other world areas, and I'm ashamed to tell you the truth, because they have nothing to eat. They have their electricity been shut off. A friend went to jail for taking a Bible on the bus. Illegal. You know, and I, I think of, of folks, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, Lord, hold on for a minute, because didn't you say that when we accept you, that you look after all of our needs and all that? 
And yet, you know, 80% of the world is struggling. That's right. And we, we are not. That's right. What will we be remembered for? I, I want to I invite you today. Um, do we, we have a song we're going to close with, right? Okay, so, so I, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey of prayer, if we could. And, and in the journey, I'm going to ask the Lord to bring to your mind a remembrance of things that he said to you, promises perhaps. I, I'm going to ask the Lord to bring to you, to your mind, maybe sins that you haven't forgiven or asked forgiveness of or received forgiveness for. And I'm going to ask the Lord to, to do something in your heart. And, and when he does, if you want to come pray, you're sure welcome to. I mean, our tradition in the Navajo Church is to have the altar that's always open for prayer. Or if you want to pray right where you're at, you're sure welcome to. But, but I want us to experience God. I want us to know his presence more than any performance or any program, but to know his presence. Let's take a minute, gentlemen, to pray. Our Father, Lord, you know the journey that we're on. Father, you know the things that we deal with and talk about and think about. And Father, I, I Lord, there's this, there's this tension in my spirit of situations, perhaps, Father, in the hearts and lives of these folks who are here. And Father, I, I know all these are good people. And Father, we're all, we're all struggling to find you and to find our way through the journey of life. Father, to, to make sense of things, to make sense of difficulties, to make sense of who we are and why we're here at such a time as this. <clears throat> Father, I recognize, Lord, that you have, like you did, you said in Ezekiel there, that I've set you as a watchman on the walls. That when you see things begin to come onto the horizon, that you're to speak the truth, and, and you're, to, you're, to, you're to warn the people, and, and, and there's, there's, there's sobering repercussions. Father, I, I recognize this, and, and Father, I, I, I'm struggling with your church in these days. And Father, help us to have the conversations of prayer that you desire for us to have. Help us, Father, to know your presence. And Lord, take us into that deep place. And, and Father, even this morning, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking, Father, that, that each of us here, that we would be gathered around your throne in the Spirit. And we would know and see and understand what you are speaking into our lives individually and into the life of this church corporately. Father, who are we? Lord, what are we? Father, what are you trying to do? Father, what do you want to do? Lord, how is it that, that your kingdom can come and your will will be done in this place in the exact same way that it is in heaven?
Father, Lord, I don't know all the dimensions of this Jesus being the bread of life. Now, Father, I have kind of an idea, Lord, about, you know, what the temptation and man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And, Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ that, you know, as I, like, I'm thinking of all this stuff all of a sudden, Lord, of communion and, and how Jesus said, this is my body that's broken for you, you know, take and eat of this. And, and Father, the symbolism of that is the bread of life, is the manna from heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily portion of your Son. Lord, that we can be forgiven. And Father, we recognize that he died on the cross to forgive us. That door is open. But in our hands, somewhere, there's this key about us forgiving others. And Father, this morning, Lord, perhaps there's some here who have been struggling with forgiveness of some betrayal. Forgiveness with some action that's been done against them. Forgiveness of, of something that's been said or done or something that they did. But, but Father, whatever these, these are, Father, the chains that have bound them in the darkness. Lord, let them be free today as they see the glimmer of hope of your Spirit speaking into their life in this very moment. Forgive us our sins in the same way we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation, Father but deliver us from the evil one. And, and Father, I, I'm mindful of, you know, John 17, Jesus in his high priestly prayer saying that, that uh, not to take us out of the world, but that to isolate us, insulate us from the evil one, and, and that we would be saved by the power of the name you gave him. And Father, that name Jesus has power and authority over all the darkness, that in the name of Jesus, as we pray and believe and know and understand that, Father, that you do things in the world around you, do things in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds. Father, those who are addicted to pornography or to alcohol or drugs or any of the other addictions that, that might be around us, Father, there is freedom in the name of Jesus. Father, in my heart, I can sense it. That there are some here whose faces are darkened. Father, I don't know who they are, but Father, you know, and you're talking to them, their faces are darkened because they want to turn towards your light. They want to they experience the fullness of the kingdom. They want to experience the fullness of, of a, a heart cleansing. They want to experience the fullness of sins forgiven and removed. And Father, today, Lord, don't let, them, don't let them go back to what was, but Father, set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I hear some praying even now. 
Lord, is there freedom for me? Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Father, for these who are seeking after you, I'm asking, Father, that you would, you would just really firm in them all that you're doing yeah. and desire to do. So, Father, we commit these closing moments into your hands. Father, as we perhaps sing this last song, Father, be glorified. Yes. Guide us and lead us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name.